Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's going on, guys? We hope you're having a great day. We got another great show for you where we welcome Dr. Chelsea Wakefield. 
and she is a long-term couples therapist an associate professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences and the director of the Couples Center, where she is a part-time couples therapy practice, and she trains clinicians in her innovative methods of couples work. And today we talk about one of her three books, The Labyrinth of Love, The Path to a Soulful Relationship, and we dive into how relationships can often start with enchantment and then they lead to disenchantment and what goes wrong, how we can navigate that and the tools to build a strong relationship and, and not let it stay in the disenchantment area and get back to those good feelings from the start of your relationship. And surprise, surprise, one of the things she mentioned about really understanding your partner is knowing their love language. And she briefly talked about it, but we often on the show stress how important it is. And we actually created an entire module on our online course, Spark My Relationship, on truly understanding your partner's love language. So if you guys found that interesting and want to learn more, you can check out more info on our online course at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock where you can get a hundred dollars off. And as always, thank you guys for listening to the show and for sharing with your friends and family. And we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Dr. Wakefield. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. You're welcome. Today, we're going to talk about your book, The Labyrinth of Love, The Path to a Soulful Relationship. And your book outlines the normal progression of relationships. And often this starts with enchantment. We're deeply in love and then can lead to disenchantment. So why don't we start with having you talk about the progression of relationships, why they start so easy and we're enchanted and how they can get derailed. So many people today are looking for soulmates. And when they find someone that they experience what I call a lock and key fit, oftentimes they feel that they've met their soulmate. So this lock and key fit is actually quite complicated because it has a lot to do with dimensions of our personalities and deeply embedded longings that we're not even conscious of. But somehow we meet someone and there's a resonance of response there or they, they evoke an aspect of our personality that we really want to live into. And in that early part of relationship, we actually have an enormous dopamine download, which is a neurochemical in the brain, and we're actually drunk on love. So we're not entirely sane, and many people will commit their lives together. Many people will get married during this time. Another term for that early phase of enchantment is limerence. And it's also filled with a time of tremendous projection because we're, we're in a mutual admiration society, so to speak. And so we're pinging back and forth with these projections of being the ideal person to the other. And then as we go more deeply into the relationship, a couple of things happen. First of all, we have surprises. We start to discover differences. There are place that places where we thought we were on the same page, but we're actually not. We were using the same word, but they meant two different things. And then something else happens. We get stirred up in terms of uh, our early attachment patterns. So these deeply embedded patterns of feeling emotionally dependent on another person 
is something that doesn't necessarily manifest in our other relationships. I have people come into work with me and sometimes they say things like, this only happens with you. And my answer to that is, of course, it only happens with this primary partner because this has become the most important attachment figure in your world. So that's when they start to move into the disenchantment and they get scared oftentimes and their hearts begin to close and they fall into something that the the two of you talk about a lot, these four horsemen of, of the apocalypse, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And what felt safe now feels so dangerous. And then people begin to think that they've made a terrible mistake. But that's actually the beginning of the real relationship. Can we talk a little bit about the attachment patterns and how that can manifest itself in a negative way. And then we want to talk about how what you just mentioned, when the real relationship starts. Sure. Well, our attachment patterns are something that is almost unconscious because they're so early. They have to do with our early experiences with our early caregivers and whether those experiences felt relatively secure, whether we had the kind of responsiveness that we needed in order to feel safe and welcome in the world, or whether they were inconsistent, or sometimes they were even dangerous. So when I talk to people about their early lives, uh, I find that some of them as little kids were really, really focused on their parents, and they wanted to know how to please them, what did the parents want and need so that they could stay in alignment with them and either not get in trouble or get the kind of attention that they were longing for. That can create something called an anxious attachment pattern where the the lover in adulthood is hyper-focused on the other and the needs of the other and every little nuance of that other person that indicates that there's a misattunement or maybe they're displeasing them or perhaps that other person has gotten a little bit different or distant because they feel overwhelmed by the attention, they start to feel more and more insecure and afraid of abandonment. So that's one type of attachment pattern that we call anxious. And the other type of attachment pattern looks more independent, but it's also an insecure attachment pattern. And these are the children that grew up learning that it was best just to go to their room and read a book or play video games. And they soothed and settled most easily alone. So if you get a pairing of somebody who is afraid of abandonment and the other person and who's afraid of being overwhelmed by a lot of emotion or a lot of chaos, that can be a really difficult pairing. And those two can end up galloping across the relationship landscape because one's trying to draw closer and the other is seeking space. And both of them are misinterpreting the cues of the other. Um, So that's one difficult attachment pattern. Another one is where both people are very conflict engaged. And they're, they're both full of complaints. They'll have complaint contests to see who has the larger complaint. Um, or they, they get into something that another um, very successful couples therapist by the name of Susan Johnson called the protest polka. And um, so there's a lot of different pairings, but they all have to do with deeply embedded experiences of what it means to be attached to another person. Is it safe? Is it dangerous? Can it be counted on? Can you really believe that that person will be there when you need them? Or is it really not a good idea to attach significantly to this other person? 
And we've talked in depth about attachment theory in other episodes, and we'll link to that in the show notes because it's important. And they definitely deserve their own episodes to dive into. But that's a good primer for our listeners who are not aware to, to start thinking about. So we talked about the progress from enchantment to disenchantment. And you said once we realize, you know, we get past our attachment patterns and the dopamine starts to wear off, we get to the real relationship. And oftentimes that's when it feels like we're smacked in the face by reality, maybe. Can you talk a little bit about what to do maybe leading up to this? And certainly when you're in it, if things are just getting real and feeling very negative. When people come in to see me, one of the first things that I do with them as a couples therapist is I try to normalize the process that they're in. That in all relationships, we have surprises. There are misattunements, misunderstandings, disillusionments. We have to realize that we're always in that early phase of a relationship projecting something idealized onto the partner that turns out to be not exactly what we thought it would be. So this is normal. And what I try to help people do is to, first of all, realize that it's normal. It doesn't mean that they've made a terrible mistake, but this is, as you said, the, the beginning of the real relationship where the, the personal and interpersonal work begins. And if people can shift from, from relationship as an answer or a solution to relationship as a path of growth, it changes everything. So the minute they realize that this is an invitation for some personal growth and some interpersonal uh, co-creation and learning, then they can begin to be not quite so scared. And when you're working with attachment, um, it's very deeply embedded. It's not conscious. It's really in the nervous system. So there are things that you can do to settle the nervous system. Uh, certainly communicating in a way that doesn't evoke defensiveness is incredibly important. So while um, we're not counting on our partners to make everything completely safe for us, there are ways of conveying important information to this person that we're trying to build a life with that will be less threatening to that person. One of the key things is to speak about your own experience rather than using a lot of you this, you that kind of language where we're blaming and shaming and accusing and complaining. But we're really talking about um, these were my expectations and this is something that I had hoped for in this relationship. Uh, and then working with the idea that these communications are important information to convey, but they can never be demands. The minute we move into demand energy, we immediately evoke defensiveness in the other. The minute we move into criticism, we evoke defensiveness in the other. And so we have to learn to, to talk about um, our more vulnerable emotions. This is very hard for some people to do. So instead of being furious, to shift to curious, which is something that my colleague Ellen Bader often says, to, to go from furious to curious and really begin to inquire, first of all, into me. What is going on with me about this? What were my projections? What were my expectations that disappointed? And what is it really touching into deeply in me that I'm attaching a lot of meaning and memory to this experience in the present and I'm overburdening this experience in the present with material from the past? So that's the personal work. 
The other work is the inquiry and the curiosity into the partner. If the partner is doing something that is mysterious or disturbing, we need to move to curiosity and inquiry. We need to understand what is going on with that person and not what is going on with you. But I really want to understand why this has so much energy, why it hurts you so much, what is the history, what is the meaning that you're attaching to it, what is the underlying need that is going unmet in this situation, and can we talk about um, ways of possibly meeting those needs? I'm always struck by how people often get locked into a box about how to meet needs. They, They often think that it can only be met in one form. But most needs can be met in a variety of forms. Once that couple moves into one of the six love capacities that I always emphasize, which is creativity. So a couple to begin to feel safe and to begin to co-create their relationship out of the raw material of who they really are, not who they imagined each other to be, but who they really are. This is the creative part process of a relationship and it involves the six love capacities, which are Commitment to a person, a process, and to remaining present. Courage. We all need a lot of courage in relationship because it requires courage to look at ourselves and to look at each other and to face what we're actually dealing with in our lives together. Then to shift to curiosity, to communicate effectively, which always when, we, when people communicate deeply and effectively and listen deeply, they move into a state of compassion. And when people move into compassion, it opens up the heart and then we can access this really amazing quality of relationship in co-creativity. So those six love capacities are commitment, courage, curiosity, communication, compassion, and creativity. And the core of the book, The Labyrinth of Love, really delves in deeply to how we actually develop those capacities. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy... No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. 
OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. If you're tuning into today's show, you're probably aware that mental health and relationship challenges are a part of life, but they don't have to define you and you're not alone. If you've ever wished that you could join a conversation with an expert and call into a show in a similar vein as relationship advice, here's an opportunity for you. If you're navigating something messy, call the Dr. John Deloney show. His show recently hit top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts and for a good reason. With a PhD in counseling and two decades of experience sitting with people, Dr. Deloney brings practical advice on how to connect with others, face depression, overcome anxiety, and find true wellness. This caller-driven show tackles real-life issues from relationships to emotional well-being. Dr. Deloney walks alongside people just like you as they navigate tough decisions. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Send your questions, leave a voicemail at 844-693-3291 or email askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. They want to talk to you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. So you mentioned this process of enchantment and to disenchantment and how to repair and how to meet our partner's needs or talk about their needs. When does it become necessary to say, hey, this is a need that I cannot fill and and it's actually something that the partner needs to work on themselves, right? So let's say self-love. It's like, hey, Uh at, at a certain point, the partner can be supportive, but ultimately that's up to the the person that has that need to do for themselves. So how can you navigate things like that? This is such an important point that you're making because in my relationship roadmap, the fourth stage is determining whether it's personal work or interpersonal work. And people often get caught up in assigning something that is really personal work to the partner. And when you've got, sometimes I call it the empty bucket syndrome. In other words, the partner is affirming and being kind and doing everything that they can do but it just pours out of the empty, you know, the coals in the bottom of the bucket of the partner because that person has some personal work to do. And oftentimes when people are stuck in an interpersonal dynamic where one person is demanding that the other person make them feel secure, but the insecurity is really living in that other person, then there's a need for someone to help facilitate that, a good um, individual therapist or a couples therapist. Uh, One thing that I will mention about the difference between individual and couples therapy, which I think is really important, is when people go to individual therapy and the therapist never sees the couple in interaction, they may never see that person and who they become when they're in relationships. And sometimes therapists can really buy into the story that that person is telling about their partner, how dismissive they are, how, um, how cruel they are, how 
they just don't give them any attention, don't give the, any, that person any support. And if the therapist buys into that without actually watching the interpersonal relationship in the couple, they can actually reinforce that person's story, which is based on their insecurity and their own distortions. And then we get into a lot of trouble. So when I'm teaching couples therapy, I always emphasize to people that do individual therapy to really take the stories that people are bringing in with a grain of salt, because you're, this is one reporter's opinion. And I remember when I was a, a young couples therapist and I had a woman in individual therapy and she brought in her partner a couple of times as an adjunct. Um, and the, the man said um, she has terrible anger issues, but I had never seen that dimension in this woman ever. And then all of a sudden in the second session with them, she became serious. And I watched her change into a person I had never seen in my therapy room. And this was so instructive for me because, again, the phrase, this only happens with you. She only got that angry with her husband. She didn't get angry with her friends. She didn't get angry like that at her workplace, just with her husband, because the, the relationship was tapping into some early trauma in her life. And so she had some personal work to do around that early trauma so she could stop projecting onto her husband who was trying to love her the best that he could, that he was actually, you know, we tend to, when we don't resolve things from the past, we place that memory over the face of our partners sometimes. And that person becomes the person who hurt us so much in our early years or in previous traumatic experiences. So it's a complicated thing. And it's, it's one of the areas that a lot of people struggle with is, is this, they, they don't even think to themselves, is this personal work or interpersonal work? But if you go to a really good couples therapist, I would start there instead of individual therapy, because then that person can really look at the dynamic. And it's important in working with people to emphasize that the partner is not the enemy, the dynamic is the enemy. And even in a relationship with a really dysfunctional person, the other partner who is, well, let's just call them more functional, can learn a great deal about their reactivity to that person's dysfunction. So there's always a possibility of growth. And as the growth cycle begins and it starts to move its way upward, it is possible for the person who is feeling so insecure or who has that traumatic past to begin to experience that this person really is loving and really is committed and there and there for them. And uh, one of the things that, that Stan Tatkin, who's another very famous couples therapist, talks about is earned secure attachment, which means that we may have come out of some very chaotic history, but being in relationship with a healthy person who really is committed and there for us consistently loving and responsive, not codependent, not overfixing, but solid, steady, uh, and not reactive. Being in a relationship with someone like that can heal these early attachment patterns and we can move into a securely attached relationship. How can the person, as you described, the steady person, the one that is not in dysfunction, how can they support a partner who is projecting onto them and try to stay steady or try to support the process, but allow them to do their own work or encourage them 
to do their own work? One of the major things that they can do, which is really important, is to not take bait. And what I mean by that is a lot of times someone who is operating out of a lot of dysfunction and hasn't really learned to relate cleanly and clearly, uh, there's all sorts of gambits that they'll go into to elicit um, sympathy or to evoke guilt or to manipulate that other person into being or doing what they want. So essentially, the, the work that the, the, the higher functioning person needs to do is to be able to stay grounded in their own body and to really pay attention to the activation that can become evident as our adrenaline starts to flow. Uh, and we, you know, we really can feel in our bodies when we're getting activated. And to do their personal work, to not react to these, um, these invitations to enter into what we might even call um, the drama triangle. It's, the, it's an old model where there are three points and one of them is the persecutor, one of them is the victim, and the other is the rescuer. And when people get caught in going around that triangle of persecutor, rescuer, victim, they can get really, really stuck. One of the things that I suggest that people ask in those moments of the partner who has gone into any one of these maladaptive uh, solutions that they use to try to get what they need is to ask that person, what do you need in this moment? Because often that person is caught in an emotion and they're not really thinking about what they need. They're not really thinking about what a solution would be. So to get solution focused and to focus on the need and to validate the need, not the behavior, not the demand, but to validate the need. I see in this moment that you're really needing to, to feel that you are important and special to me and that I care for you deeply. I see in this moment that you're really needing more freedom, more of a sense of freedom. I see in this moment that you really need encouragement because you have things in your life that you want to accomplish and you're really frustrated about not being able to accomplish them. So to, to validate the needs, uh, to val even validate the feelings, but to go under the feelings into needs validate those needs and then move into creativity and saying, I really want to support you. I really want you to feel loved. Um, and there's always something to learn because we each, our love languages, which is, you know, there's a wonderful little book that was written many years ago about the five love languages. But in my view, there are many more than five love languages. And we really need to teach our partners how to love us well, but not demand that they love us in that way. This is information. And so to find out that what does that person need in moments like this when they're descending into a bad cycle? Do they need a hug? Do they need space? Do they need um, a change of scenery? Do they need encouragement, words of affirmation and encouragement? Um, you know, what do they need in that moment? Do they need some special time from you? Uh, and can you say, look, you know, I, I can't give this to you this week, but next weekend, Let's set aside some time together. I want you to know how important you are to me. Let's set aside, you know, a block of time on Saturday or Sunday to do anything that you want to do that would make you happy. Um, to learn each other and to stay in a state of generosity, but not obligation. Those are two very different energetics. And when we move into obligation and duty, it really doesn't feel good to the other person. But it, when it's generating from a heart of love, and a heart of generosity 
and cooperation, um, it feels really different. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. While worrying about it doesn't help a ton, Earnin actually does. Our sponsor, Earnin, is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Many couples end up fighting about finances, especially when surprise costs arise. Earnin allows you to seamlessly deal with that unexpected trip to the vet or the last minute gift for loved ones without any stress, letting you and your partner focus on what really matters. Earnin is helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient and to worry and fight less about money. All of this without debt trap, mandatory fees, or credit checks. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download Earnin app, type in relationship advice under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. That's relationship advice under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving Relationship Advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low-quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. 
Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H E R O dot C O. Can we talk a little bit more about how one can truly understand someone's needs, their partner's needs? Because so often, I mean, I, I'm sure people who've done a lot of personal work, it may be easier for them to recognize that their person is angry about their partner not doing something right, but not truly understanding the reason that they're acting that way, whether it's that they do need a hug or they need affection. So I guess what I'm asking is how can somebody who hasn't done a lot of work start the process of really getting to know and understand what their partner's true needs are? You said something very important, and that is someone that hasn't done a lot of work. And this, are you talking about the person who's on the receiving end of the anger or the person who's angry? Well, I think maybe somebody who's listening to the show and they've just started doing this. They want to listen to these podcasts and start becoming more aware of their partner's needs, but they just haven't been doing it for a long time and maybe they just don't know where to start. Okay. So if you really don't understand why your partner is reacting a certain way, you've got to move into a place of inquiry. You've got to, first of all, get calm enough in yourself and centered enough in yourself to know that whatever you're going to learn does not demand anything of you. It's information. And so I actually have a chapter in the book called How to Be Dismissive. Because some people say to other people, they've learned a little bit about psychology and they'll say, well, this is your problem. Deal with it. And that's a good way to be dismissive. Um, It's really dismissing the person, dismissing the needs, really cutting off on the connection. Whereas moving into a place of compassionate curiosity uh, can be to ask some really powerful questions of the person that can allow that other person to begin to discover things about themselves and for the person who's asking questions to learn about them. So for example, um, there are always things that, that you don't understand at all about the partner because they had a different history. Um, Sometimes uh, I, when I'm working with people, I really need to emphasize that, Being with someone in close proximity and forming a relationship, even though you think you know each other, you're still living in two separate universes. It's almost like, you know, two countries where they both speak English, but the customs and the context and the culture is very, very different because the history is different. So asking the, the phrase, tell me more is a great phrase to use because it, it tends to evoke uh, less reactivity than why are you doing this or what's wrong with you or the, the kinds of accusatory phrases that, or we can say, you know, you're overreacting or you're acting crazy or this is ridiculous. You really want to say, okay, let's sit down. I want to understand what's happening with you right now. And then to really anchor down and listen and to allow that person, if they're really dysregulated, sometimes you've really got to anchor down for a while because they're going to be discharging, just discharging a lot of emotion. And uh, for somebody that has a more avoidant attachment pattern that is used to going there to their room as a kid, when things get a little crazy in the house, this can be extremely difficult. So for someone like that, just to say, 
look, let's sit down for 15 or 20 minutes. I think that I really want to listen. I really want to understand. And I think that's about as much as I can do. And we can have multiple conversations about this. But let's just sit down and I want to understand. So explain to me. And what you're going at is, is number one, what the feelings are. And then what the narrative is around those feelings. What is the story that your partner is telling themselves about what is going on? Now, a way to be dismissive is just to tell that person, oh, you know, this is just a story in your head. But if you stay engaged and you really think about that story and then go into the roots of that story, tell me more about, you know, I, I need to understand, you know, you're, it seems like whenever I do this, you'd start to believe, I don't know, that I'm having an affair or something. Whenever I do this, Whenever I have a busy week, it seems to me that you really fall into a place of great despondency where you feel like I don't love you anymore. Tell me more about just that whole process that happens with you. And most partners, they won't use the word process, but just tell me more and to listen really deeply and then to reflect back. So this is something that reflective listening, we're not talking about parroting. Because sometimes people learn to do this um, in sales school or something. And it's not really about mimicking back the words that were spoken. It's about reflecting back your understanding of that which might not even have been spoken. And so summarizing some of the same words, but communicating back what you think that partner is trying to get across to you so that that person really feels gotten Feeling like your partner gets you is one of the most calming and anchoring things you can do regardless of what the misunderstanding or the upset is. You don't have to personalize it. You don't have to own that you did something terrible. But what you need to do is to understand what's the nerve in your partner that just got hit? What are they making it mean? What's attached to it? What's the history? And when you begin to understand that, that, act, that understanding actually helps to not personalize. So when you're not personalizing, it's different than being dismissive. It means that you're understanding, you're being compassionate. But when you don't have to own that you did something awful, that you did something bad, sometimes you can come to understand that something that you're doing or saying is hitting a nerve. And if it's not that big a deal, you can make an adjustment. Or if it's a bigger deal, you can talk about you know, the, how much it costs you to do that, but to talk about possibly other ways that you can offer what that person needs. Again, don't stick to the idea of not getting stuck in the form. We get stuck in the form so often, particularly about things like sex, because sex has so many needs that it touches upon in terms of, of the needs that it meets. And if it's a need for attention or special time or affirmation or comfort or connection, um, again, if that person who is demanding more sex uh, has a leaky bucket going on where no matter how much sex you give them, they're never really feeling affirmed or attended to or secure, that's the personal work that that needs to, to that person needs to engage in. So um If you really feel like your partner needs to do some personal work, a way of suggesting that is, rather than saying you need to go to therapy, 
saying something along the lines of, I really want our relationship to succeed. And it's really, really hard for me to stay connected to you when you move into that place where you just withdraw and you don't speak to me for two weeks. Or when you move into that place where no matter what I do, I can't comfort you. And I really want us to to be successful. I love you and I care for you. And I, you know, can we go, a great place to start is in couples work because a lot of times with a good couples therapist, that person will be able to either do little mini pieces of individual work or they'll be able to say to one or both of the people, it would be really good for, for, you know, one of you or both of you to do some personal work and to really expand your capacity for loving and being loved. There are ways of suggesting that people do personal work that are not invalidating. Anyway, does that is that helpful? It's yeah. extremely yeah. helpful, <laughs> Dr. Wakefield. And, and thank you for laying all that out. I think you really covered it from all the perspectives and ending with the idea of like, depending on the partner and whoever's listening, if they're the one that's like, yeah, I need personal work or my partner needs personal work, how to communicate to them about these things is so important. And that's really the foundation of a relationship is this personal work because everyone has personal work and work to do as a couple. And sometimes it's just more urgent and necessary and, and causes more pain than others, but we all have work to do. So you've given us some great things to think about and great ways to talk about it with our partner. So we're going to wrap up with having you tell our listeners where they can find you online. Tell them a little bit about your book. And if there's anything we skipped over or you want to emphasize before we say goodbye. Well, thank you. The Labyrinth of Love can be found easily on Amazon uh, or from your local bookseller. And it really goes over the development of these six love capacities with lots of very helpful suggestions, uh, a couple of exercises that people can engage in. And really, uh, it's a very encouraging book. It has a lot of of nitty-gritty stuff that people can utilize. I'm going to be doing a, a program, kind of a deep dive into how to do this in the fall. And if people want to find out more about me, I have a website, chelseawakefield.com. My name's spelled C-H-E-L-S-E-A, chelseawakefield.com. You can download the Conscious Relationship Roadmap and sign up for my mailing list if you want to find out about some future programs on Amazon and on my website. You can find information about my two earlier books. The first one is Negotiating the Inner Peace Treaty which is a book that will help you define your many parts of self, your inner cast of characters, I call them, and uh, really look at how, when they show up in your life and make some decisions about, uh, there's some inner committee book work and some really wonderful exercises for self-exploration. The second book that I wrote is called In Search of Aphrodite. And that is a book about women's sexuality. And it helps women define their unique sexual essence and sort of recontextualize what their sexual journey is about. So all of those books sort of led up to the last book, The Labyrinth of Love. And you'll find uh, a lot of information about the two inner casts of characters in in Labyrinth of Love, uh, the parts of self in us that relate to the parts of self in another and how they get entangled and disentangled. 
as we move into more conscious relationship. And there's a wonderful chapter on sexuality as well. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wakefield. We'll have the links to your website and your books on the show notes and in the podcast description. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, It's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.